and welcome to episode 26 of the Triathlon Age Group Journey. I'm Jillian Carlson, and today I'm joined with my co-hosts, Matt Summer and Jay Cunet. We are age group triathletes living the dream, balancing work, life, kids, family, and everything else to get ourselves on the start line of swim, bike, and run races or road races. Today, we have an awesome guest. Her name's Mindy Prejour. And she has done her fair share of road races, triathlon, and has even started a nonprofit that's really exciting to hear about to get kids involved and not just kids, but everyone involved in racing or being active. And so we'll, we'll get to hear a little bit about that later to get us started. Jay, Matt, how are your guys' week? Well, I think Matt's got a race report he's got to give us. Yeah, actually. Sure. Yeah. This week for me has been uh, really focused on recovery. I think everybody knows one of my most favorite races out there is American Triple T. And this past weekend was the annual event and it definitely did not disappoint. You know, the mountains of Ohio were uh, kind to me. They were mean to me. They ate me up. They spit me out. They ran me over backwards, but I definitely came out on top. It was a, a great weekend. That race every year just, it's humbling. I mean, you go out there, you're not quite sure what to expect. For those that aren't familiar, with it. It's a series of four races over three days. You start with a super sprint on Friday night um, at 5 p.m. Um, and then you get a wake up Saturday morning and at 7 a.m. you do an Olympic distance triathlon. Um, and then Saturday afternoon you come back at 3 p.m. and you do another Olympic distance triathlon. Then if you're still in the game, you wake up Sunday morning and do a half iron distance triathlon. And it's based on your cumulative time. So it's the sum of all four races is how they rank everyone. It's just an endurance fest. I mean, I tell people if you go out too hard in any one of those races, and I have learned this from experience, this was my fifth time doing this event, you're fried. I mean, your weekend can be done. So it's really about being disciplined and just staying focused and not overshooting it. You, you can't make it a race on day one or you'll never survive the weekend. But uh, we had a little bit of everything. I mean, the weather was crazy. Friday night, it was almost pristine conditions. Saturday morning, it poured down rain the entire race. Saturday afternoon, it was nothing but gusty wind. And then Sunday morning, it was a balmy 42 degrees at race start. The water characteristically is not as cold as it was. It was 61 degrees all weekend. And then Sunday morning, they measured it at 59 degrees. Yeah. So it was um, quite chilly. I was a little... Uh, gun shy heading into the race because when uh, Jillian and I did Coeur 70.3 uh, last year, that water was 61 degrees and it, it hurt. Like I got in and just had a massive headache, couldn't breathe, had that kind of hypoxic breathing going on. I was fearful of the swim leading into the weekend. And as soon as we jumped in the water, I was like, wow, like this isn't that bad. I was actually very comfortable, very proud of my swims over the weekend. Never had a freak out moment, which for me, I know I'm a coach. I still have them, but I kept it all together. Um, great weekend, great competition out there. You know, I ended up seventh overall out of all participants, second in my age group. So very, very pleased with the weekend. I did somehow Friday night coming out of the swim. I don't know what I did, how I did it, but... I did something to a toe on my right foot and it was black and blue swollen all weekend and bloomed up like a grape. 
Other participants were looking at me like I'm crazy for running on that thing, but somehow got through the weekend. I mean, it hurt every step going downhill. It was just jamming against the shoe, but just you do what you do. You get through it. And um, my running stayed strong mentally. It just kind of was like, okay, what toe? Fueling was on point. I felt great the whole weekend and just very pleased to be able to make it through the weekend in one piece. Recovered extremely well. I was able to get in the pool, get on a bike, and even got a zone two run in yesterday. So, you know, feeling good. Matt, can you uh, give us a little detail on how you nourished yourself for the whole weekend? I think people would love to just have a clue on how you do that. Yeah, I mean, nutrition is huge for a race like this. Leading into it, I definitely obviously practiced nutrition on all my big race training weekends. I mean, I had some crazy bricks that I did in training, some crazy weekends of going out and biking 60 miles and then coming home and running 40 minutes. I did days where I would go out and bike in the morning, sit around, rest, refuel, see what worked in between races, what did or did not bother my stomach, and then come back and go for another ride in the afternoon. I did the same thing with running, where I would run in the morning, take a break, come back, go for another run in the afternoon, because you have to eat in between the Saturday races. There's no way around that. You have to fuel, and then Saturday evening, you got to fuel for the Sunday. So your day-to-day nutrition was paramount. I really focused on carbs. I kept bagels by me. And I, if you know me, I keep about six sleeves of bagels in my refrigerator. And I'm probably known to eat two to three a day. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. We've got cinnamon raisin. We've got plain. We've got everything. We've got onion. We've got cinnamon swirl. We've apple cinnamon, pumpkin spice. When it's that time of year, my son and I just go through them. <laughs> but as far as race nutrition is concerned... I was really pushing some calories. Um, I was taking in close 320 to 400 calories an hour on the bike, liquid only. And I just kind of made sure I kept my electrolytes up. Hammer Nutrition Fuels kind of got me got me through. And, you know, it was nice using the Enduro lights, uh, using some of the heat. And I did not use gels at all. I stuck purely to liquid getting, uh, you know, that way my bike bottles had hydration it had my electrolytes and it had my fuel. So it kind of took the thought process out of everything, but just stuck to the guns. And uh, I I was pretty fortunate, I guess, that I didn't have any issues, but I definitely practiced it and practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. I I was just going to say, so last year, Jay, when I did that with Matt on that Saturday, when you're going from Olympic and then, you know, you have another Olympic and a a half the next day. um, I'm pretty sure there's pictures of us just sitting in bed with a giant bowl of instant mashed potatoes. And I, I'm sure I ate a whole package myself. I mean, as much as I could stomach. And um, we actually, when Matt was in town, we were at my sister's house and she happened to have these really cool little instant packages of, was it bone broth? It's like bone broth. Yeah. Chicken bone broth to go. So it's like a serving package of just the powder. So Matt took those tiny little packages that she got it from Costco and then mixed them in with the mashed potatoes just to add that extra sodium and a little bit of protein. Yeah. It it was key. I, I, Jillian, the great point bringing that up. I forgot to talk about that. So I grilled a lot of chicken and I took it with me and I went ahead and made potato gnocchi. I went ahead and made pasta. So as soon as I got done the race, it was ready. There was no having to sit around and make the meal. I could literally walk in the cabin and just get the food out and go. But 
I will say that was a huge win was I did the instant mashed potatoes, just boiled the water, add the uh, bone broth to it, mixed in the mashed potatoes, threw two chicken breasts in there, and it was so satisfying. It, it was really good. And then a lot of peanut butter, a lot of peanut butter. And there may be a picture floating around on uh, social of me standing there holding an IPA and a bag of Chex Mix after the <laughs> race. And I cannot tell you how good that bag of Chex Mix was, the saltiness, the savoriness. And don't judge, but that was a single serving bag. I promise it did not say <laughs> seven servings on the back. It said one. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. That's awesome. And I had FOMO, not going to lie. Yeah, I would love to make that work next year. Jay, you'd have a blast. I really think I know. I know. It's on my radar. We got to see how (laughs) we can work it in for sure. Definitely. Jay, what you been up to? (laughs) It's, uh, where do I go? I I won't deny it's been a rough couple weeks of work for sure. Just a lot, a lot going on. You know, we talked about doing hard things several weeks ago. It feels like that that cycle hit again. So definitely been confronted with some challenges that uh, I never really signed up for, but you got to endure and do it, right? It's part of the job. But otherwise, training has been great. I feel really good. I'm very, very, very excited for Eagle Man in two weeks. I, I feel like the goal that I have is totally obtainable and things are clicking. So Staying healthy is number one and just coast into uh, taper week. I only have one more big weekend here. And then, um, yeah, really, I just am bursting at the seams to get to that race again. <laughs> yeah, that's a redemption race for you. Isn't yeah, it? it is. So there's uh-huh. yeah, there's a lot going on mentally and the excitement is is building. And it's, it's going to be a crazy logistical weekend. My daughter is dancing with the Charm City Ballet in a, a rendition Ooh. of The Beauty and the Beast. And she has four show times the weekend of Eagle Man. So I'm going to drive to Cambridge. It's about two and a half hours Friday night. I'm going to do my morning shakeout ride, check my bike at 10 o'clock, turn around, drive back to Baltimore two and a half hours to catch her 1.30 show. And then immediately after the show, my dad and I are jumping in the car and driving back to Cambridge to wake up the next morning to race in Eagle Man. There's no way I'm missing that show. Yes. So You're a good that man. That is uh, absolutely the top priority of the weekend. And then, then I can focus on the race. So <clears throat> I am not worried about it at all. I do want to brag on Jay's daughter. She is a very, very talented young lady. I know Jay shared with us at one point. Um, I know she's dancing, but I can only assume that she did not choreograph and design the dresses this time. (laughs) No, she did not. (laughs) I'm saying watch out. This girl's got a future for her talent show at her elementary school. Not only did she choreograph the entire dance routine, she designed the outfits and then put them together. And it was absolutely beautiful. So I know you're proud of her, Jack. No, thank you. It's awesome. She, she does uh, bring a tear to my eye to see her dance. There's I no think she might have it. you wrapped around her finger. Oh, just a little. Just a little for sure. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the softball team, we've only lost one game. We got two more regular season games. We're going to take the first place spot in the playoffs. And I have high hopes we are going to end up with a trophy somehow. So we're doing well in softball, too. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Anyhow. Awesome. All right, Jillian, your turn. Oh, um, my voice you probably can hear a little bit, but I've like the last week and a half or so been dealing with um just like chest congestion and chest cold or something. I don't know. But finally on 
the downswing or the upswing on whatever side it is, the, the good side where you think it's almost over. But it's definitely been, I think, just a rough roller coaster year, whether it's personally with kids or training. I still get the training in. For me, that's my sanity. But things are, you know, starting to come together. And it's interesting seeing a lot of the races going on. And last year, I definitely raced too much. But this year, not having as many races on the calendar, it doesn't keep me unmotivated for training, but it creates like just this empty space of purpose. And it's so fulfilling and rewarding to be out at races, not just for myself racing, but for the people in the community and and cheering others on. I don't know. I just thrive so much on that. And so I'm like, I need to find like a just a race with random people that I don't even know to just go cheer for because that's just such a, a piece of me that just feels really unfulfilled right now, just not having races on the book. So it's a really interesting feeling the last few weeks. And like I said, it doesn't keep me from training, but I, I can tell that there's just that piece that's missing. And it's not just me going out and towing that start line. It's the, the community and being surrounded by that. So anyhow, but. Absolutely. <clears throat> Otherwise, it's good. And you, when is the Olymp the Olympic you have coming up? When is that? Did you you said you signed up for one? Yeah, not this weekend, but the following weekend, June third. Okay. So okay, yep, excited for that. This past weekend after racing, I mean, I've got a similar thing where I didn't really have much on the books other than Washington seventy point three now in September. I may or may not have been just scouring all the calendars now for races because it just <laughs> after this weekend it was just so fulfilling and i just left a better person it's like i got back to work and i told all the people my personal training clients who i canceled on is like i was thanking them for their flexibility and just being gone and i was like i needed that to be a better person so now i can be a better person at work and it just gave me a whole nother sense of just fulfillment you know i'm looking at lake logan half iron and the sprint back-to-back -back days and i'm looking at the calendars and i'm like all right let's do this mm -hmm. i i do love this and I, it does it just lights a lights a fire under my so yep. You also just got 140.6 miles of base training done, yeah, so you yeah. don't want to lose it. <laughs> Absolutely true. <laughs> tag true. you on a little bit. True. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but that's actually a fairly good segue into my quote of the week. If you want to jump on that, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This one's just about being grounded and just remembering who you are, being humble. But it goes a little something like this. You got to learn how to fall before you learn to fly. I hate the word fail. I almost could have put fail instead of fall, but you have to appreciate and be willing to have mistakes so that when you do have success, you can even greater have greater enjoyment out of it and fulfillment out of it because it's not all roses. You're going to have weeds and you just got to be able to, if you don't have weeds, you won't appreciate the roses. I had a coach once that actually told this to me and it kind of falls along the same lines. And he says, you got to be careful. A pat on the back is only 12 inches from a kick in the ass. And I always remembered that. And I thought that was hilarious the way he said that. So what do you guys think? Mindy, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I love that quote. And so I spent the last 21 years teaching elementary PE and coaching kids. And celebrating mistakes was one of my favorite things to do with them because I don't feel like as a kid, it was necessarily celebrated. And I was a kid who 
I was a good kid. I was a pretty easy kid that made it through, did not want to cause problems, did not want to necessarily be noticed. And the longer I went in life really without making mistakes, the more anxious I was about making them and kind of felt like I had to maintain the perfection. And so right when I started teaching with our kindergartners, even things as simple as tossing and catching a beanbag, like I would model dropping it and celebrating and I'm going to try again and I'm going to get it and then being excited when I got it just to show that progression and that mistakes are good and it means we're trying and doing something new. And so I just love that mentality. And it's funny how in life, even when we think we've hit the flying, we do need to come back down. And I feel like this last year has kind of been that falling year where it's like, okay, what lessons do I need to learn? What skills am I gaining so that I can move forward stronger? Yeah. And I'd almost change the, like, expect to fail if you want to fly versus learn to fail. And there's other people that'll play twists on the word of fail. You know, you never fail, you only learn. Um, But however, whatever word you want to use, you got to struggle, you got to put yourself on the line, you've got to take risks, take chances, because you'll never know what you can do if you don't even try. And it's resetting expectations. You might fly and then you might crash and then hopefully you fly again. So, yeah, it's a contrast. The fall before fly, yang the yang, night and day, happy, sad. You mentioned roller coaster earlier, Jillian. We're constantly on ups and downs and it's just, it is part of life and working through that. Think of how dull life would be if we just were the same. And it's the the contrast that allows us to grow and build to be better. So yeah, Yeah. you can go all over the place with this one, but for sure in triathlon, uh, you got to hurt yourself sometimes (laughs) to know what you're supposed to do to get better for sure. I was going to say, I think that was good when you do like speed work or things that are pushing the next level. Sometimes you have to almost go too hard to see where that limit is so you can push it and do things. And working with some of the athletes, I have some of them get so scared to get out of that comfort zone. Because what if I bonk? And I said, sometimes you need to bonk. Surprise yourself. Yeah. 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 Boy, are those fun times (laughs) when you do it. (laughs) Still waiting for that one. but (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you guys say we jump on in and get to know Mindy a little bit better? Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, super excited about Mindy being here today. Mindy and I, I guess, uh, gosh, I guess we've known each other probably for 10 years now. We've been Hammer Nutrition teammates for quite some time. Her and her husband, Chris, both were sponsored by Hammer Nutrition, as was I. And we had the fortunate opportunity of meeting up at the Boston Marathon. I think we were talking about, we can't remember if it was 16, 17, 18, what year it was. But uh, we met up before it. The 5K is always on Saturday. And uh, we both, we knew we were all going to be there. We knew each other on social media. So we arranged just a great opportunity to get a good photo for Hammer. And I mean, I think we've kept in touch ever since then. And it's almost like every year we meet up again at the 5K and just kind of rekindle and kind of share some laughs, share some stories. And I've, I've always been fascinated by Mindy's journey and the adventures that she and her husband go on because they're always fun and they're always centered around running or a triathlon, it seems like. Um, They've done some fascinating events kind of all over the US, international as well. Um, And I know she's going to touch on some of that, but I think the thing that really struck me the most about Mindy and she's going to share with us today is the size of her heart. 
I think you already heard her mention about the kids that she teaches and being a kindergarten PE teacher, but that's just skimming the surface. This woman has the heart of gold and she's trying to get these kids involved and raise them up and like really empower them. And she's started a uh, nonprofit called Run Third Alliance. So I know we're going to jump in all this, but Mindy, really excited to have you here and can't wait to hear a little bit about how this all started, your journey into running triathlon and run third alliance so welcome thank you for having me i'm excited to be here so mindy why don't you just like jump in i mean just you've got so much running history triathlon history i mean how did all this start i mean you you talked about just being a young child that just kind of like a rule follower it sounded like talk about your journey into running did you run in middle school high school or where did you first start running and fall into triathlon so oddly enough i was the kid who tried to miss mile day. I definitely never saw myself as a runner. Part of it was my family wasn't super active. And then, so I was adopted. And it was that, it's definitely been a fun journey of the nature versus nurture and stuff kind of growing up with a family that loved them dearly. I was so different than them. And I kind of knew I was different, but and I was a little more adventurous and wanted to do stuff. But then at the same time, kind of like I said, like I was go with the flow. I don't want to be too wild and make a scene and cause problems or ask for too much. So, yeah, I just kind of did my thing through school. And don't get me wrong, like I was active and I was supported through things. And if friends were playing softball, I would join the softball team with them. If they were playing soccer, I joined the soccer team. So I did active things but it wasn't necessarily an active household. And I absolutely never saw myself as a runner. I don't think I broke five feet until maybe junior year of high school. I was always short and stocky. And my idea of a runner, I saw the people out running who were tall and lean and looked like runners. And so I was in the mindset of, I'm not a runner. Yeah, so I played a few team sports. I played soccer and uh, when I went to ASU, I played ice hockey there. And then as when my husband and I graduated and got married, we kind of fell into the routine of now what? So we did a couple adult leagues for a while try to stay active. We both like to go and do and be out. But adult leagues are rough. Their practices are usually like Wednesday night at 10 p.m., and we were running across the people who still thought they were going to go pro and playing really rough. After a couple of years, we were just kind of like, we're getting settled in careers. Like this just isn't the right fit. So then we spent a couple of years just kind of, we'd go on hikes, we'd go camping, we'd go do things, but never really had a anything. So we put on, both put on weight. We both kind of got to a point where it's like, what are we going to do? Then a friend of mine that I was working with said she was going to attempt her first half marathon. And so I was like, okay. And so my husband, I, I, well, I signed us both up. And at first he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> the three of us ran it together. And I think our time was like 2.10. And like, it was one of those where I was like, that wasn't bad. Like, so then my husband and I kept going with it and did a couple more half marathons. And by number two, he was far ahead of me. And after a few, I said, see, that was 2007. We did our first half. And then we did our first full in 2009 thinking like, okay, we've done several halves. They've been fine. Like we've done decent. 
I cried and hit the wall at probably 17, 18, where most people, I had no idea what I was doing for nutrition, for training, did everything wrong. And it half marathon, like this sounds bad, but you could almost fake your way through some distances (laughs) and it'll hurt the next day. But the marathon, like you need some respect for the marathon. It definitely (laughs) takes training and discipline and nutrition and really dialing things in. And I just did it all wrong. I crossed the finish line. I think it was close to six hours. I was like, I am never doing this again. That was the worst Mm -hmm. thing ever. Mm -hmm. I'm done running. I, it kind of proved that like I'm not a runner. Like this is never gonna happen. So then I probably didn't run for I feel like nine months or so. We got road bikes because my husband was wanting to get into that. And so I was like, okay, like I'll hop on a bike. And he was riding into work and doing stuff. So we started doing some rides. And then that's when he was like, Hey, what do you think about doing a triathlon? I was like, okay. Why not? I've that mindset has gotten me far in life. It's also gotten me into some <laughs> precarious famous last <laughs> yes. words. Uh I think my anxiety of missing out on things is higher than my anxiety of failing at things. Uh so I'm always like, sure, I'll do it too. So we signed up for our first Olympic triathlon. Let's see, our marathon was in January. The Olympic was in October. So and I really I could be remembering this wrong. But I don't think I ran between them. I, I was so like, <laughs> I'm not running. So I trained on the bike. I probably did a little bit of swimming. Definitely not enough swimming because it was cold water and it was wetsuit swimming. And didn't practice that. Mm. And we mm. were scuba divers. So I just was like, oh, I'll just do my scuba wetsuit. Oh, no. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's very different. It's so different. (laughs) And got in the water and had that total like panic. Like, what am I doing? I don't think I'm going to make it through the swim. But I did. Like, I just kind of bobbed around the water, collected myself and muscled my way through that. But after that triathlon, I was like, that was kind of fun. And the run actually wasn't that bad when it's with everything else. So then we stuck with triathlon for a little while and we enjoyed it so much and are gluttons for craziness that we signed up for Ironman Arizona the next oh, month. Wow. So that was when you still had to sign up for Ironmans a year in advance because they sold out the day they opened. So we did that triathlon in October. Ironman opened registration in November. We signed up that day and it was like, well, I guess we're taking on a full Ironman. So then we did a half in the spring as training where I actually crashed on my bike, but finished it Oof. like thankfully, but had a fracture in my scapula. So I had a little bit of Ooh. rehab during the summer, but we got through it. Life, life throws lots of fun things at us, but sure does. yeah. So then that, and now it's just kind of been a, some years we're a little triathlon heavy Sometimes for a little while, we went to um, ultra marathons. Really, went, well, let me back up. So, after Ironman, I said, Well, I guess I can give running a try because I just did another marathon. 
And so we had signed up for the Goofy Challenge in Florida in January, where you do the half marathon on Saturday and the full marathon on Sunday at Disney World. And when I got through that and had cut like 90 minutes off my marathon time, I was like, okay, maybe running's <laughs> not so bad if you actually train and have proper nutrition <laughs> and take it seriously. So then we went back into running. And through triathlons in there, did another full at Vineman that year, did a few more half marathons. For a few years, we got really big in the Run Disney events. Being so close to the California Disneyland, they got to where they were doing four half marathon weekends each year. And we, yeah, and so we made some really good friends out there and just kind of made that a fun trip, like a weekend trip, those for a while. And as my half marathon time started dropping, all of a sudden I was like, wait, and I was doing the math and I was breaking 140 in the half. And I was like, you know, I've heard people talk about Boston. Like, as I said, I never saw myself as a runner and I still have to catch myself because I still like, I'm not a runner, but I was looking at the time. I'm like, that's actually like, if I double my marathon and add a little bit, I could qualify for Boston. Like, this is kind of crazy. So then I went for it and had one or two attempts that didn't go so well and then met Jeff Galloway through the Run Disney events. And he was like, I have this plan that uses my run walk that is geared towards Boston qualifying. And I was like, well, I've tried these other plans and I was getting injured or burned out or just not enjoying it. So I was like, I'll give it a try. So yeah, the first time I did that, I went out for a marathon and Ran, did four minute walk, 30 or th- four minute run, 30 minute, 30 second walk, and Boston qualified the first time I tried his plan. So I said, All wow. right. Then I ended up starting up a Galloway program in Arizona because <laughs> I was like, If I can do this, <laughs> anybody can do this. Yeah. And just the empowerment of like accomplishing these That's different awesome. things that it's like, man. So, yeah, then we got into ultra marathons for a little while, worked our way up to 100 milers. And I like how you just passed away. Yeah, we did some with... ultras and 100 milers. <laughs> <laughs> now, wasn't one of your ultras rim to rim to rim? Yes, we've done that a couple times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just a casual, just casual, just run the Grand Canyon. Yes. Talk about that. I'm intrigued. Yes, please do. <laughs> I'd love to hear about that. So, don't even know. Well, whose great idea was it first? Yours or Chris's? Probably Chris's. Okay. It's a blessing and a curse being married to somebody who I'm pretty sure has ADHD. (laughs) I don't know. Who just doesn't sit, like (laughs) just loves to be out and doing things. And it definitely keeps me going. I've heard it rim to rim to rim, but what exactly is that? What does that entail? So in the Grand Canyon, if you start, you could start either one. Most people start South Rim. Go down the south rim, up the north rim, and then turn around and come back to the south rim. So it's roughly 46, 47 miles, kind of depending which route you take. And elevation? Let's see. I should know this. But I thought it was somewhere in the eight to 10,000 feet on both sides. Wow. I'll have to look. I have my stats somewhere. It's a good, it's a good climb. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much you run down, run across, hike up, and then run down, run across, hike up. And 
I don't know. Love it. Yeah, when it had started, and we had talked about it. We had done some backpacking stuff in the Grand Canyon, and like I'm sure that Chris was like, "Hey, let's go do this," and I said, "Okay, why not? What could go wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> well, let's make a list. No, <laughs> no. So now you guys have also done, I mean, I think you guys have done Cozumel, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't you guys do some extravagant <laughs> trip to Hungary? Yes. As well? Done Ironman Cozumel. We've done Berlin Marathon. We, that year we went out, we actually just went out for some Pearl Jam concerts in Prague and. Nice. Um, Krakow, and then it just turned into a road trip where we stopped in Budapest, which where we hooked up with some Hammer teammates and got to do a run through the city. They toured us around, and it was really a cool experience. We've done half marathon in Helsinki, Finland. We did a trail run in Stockholm. We've done a New Year's 10K in Iceland a couple times. I wasn't joking when I introduced her that they do these big trips and always somehow try to run. I mean, (laughs) like I've seen it for years and that's what I just think is so cool. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things when I think about this, like when I start to, if I start to get tired of triathlon, it's so expensive to travel with a bike. But I mean, heck, you can throw a suitcase together, throw a pair of running shoes in and just go explore. That's so cool that you and Chris can kind of share that. It's definitely a fun way to see somewhere new. Yeah. And see the culture and explore. And then we also do some non-running stuff. We were scuba instructors for a while. So we'd also take like scuba trips and go explore that way or hang out on the beach. So are all these but, running events what sparked or inspired the, the Run Third? Yeah. Yes. So what happened is I kind of touched on in when I started running, I started learning a lot about myself. I can, like I said, like the empowerment and the, I can do hard things and the whole idea of goal setting and the, how to change self-talk and the, how to change a fixed mindset. Like I can continue to grow and I can be something I didn't think I was. And the timing was pretty much spot on. So we started in 07 and 08 was a big financial crash. And I was at a very low income school that lost all funding for after school sports and elementary schools. So thankfully, like I had just taken up running and saw the benefit of it and saw knew I could do it for no funding. And because we had a field we could run around. I was happy to stay after school with the kids. So I asked my principal if I could start it up. And she was pretty much like, well, what do you need? And I said, nothing, just your approval to have kids stay after school. So we started and I think maybe 15, 20 kids started with me. And it quickly grew into 80 kids out there that just wanted something to do. And it was free. And they could come and they could move and they could connect. And as we got going, I just started developing a curriculum to help them with learning how to set a goal, learning to overcome some of the challenges they were facing and what to do on the days that they didn't want to go run and how to kind of look ahead. And I think especially nowadays, 
teaching kids long-term goals and everything is so instant gratification. Running absolutely is not. And can't blame refs, can't blame teammates, can't blame anyone but yourself. So it just lends itself to these incredible lessons and dialogues. And at from 10 to 12, kids are just sponges absorbing it and watching it and watching these kids just light up and be and transform. And all of a sudden in the classroom, they're different kids. And they'd finish a 5K and be so proud of the medal and they'd bring it to school. So then we started Medal Mondays. And anytime they'd go do stuff, they'd wear their shirt, they'd bring their medal. And it caught on. And like I said, the running club kept growing and making awesome partnerships with local communities and race directors that would let us come out and shops that would help us with shoes. We were applying for grants, just trying to get the kids what they needed to succeed. Then, let's see. So then we got into a couple of the kids' events, which would be like, oh, come do a 1K or come do a fun one mile. And I was noticing that kids wanted a bigger challenge. And that's when we started the 5Ks. And then Mesa Marathon got started. And that was an incredible opportunity because they only had a 10K or a half marathon. And I presented the 10K to the group and to the parents. And I had a several a bunch of kids that wanted to do it, but it was the parents that were like, that's too far. The kids can't do that. So I had six that were allowed to do it with me and they crushed it. They did awesome. The next year, I think we had about 25, 30 kids that did it because all of a sudden the parents realized, Hey, they can do it. And then a few of those kids, as they got to like sixth grade, they were like, you know, we've done the 10K a couple times. Can we try the half marathon? I said, this is going to take a lot of training. Like you're going to need to come on Saturday mornings and commit to this. And sure enough, they did. And they ran that half marathon. I don't remember how many we had that first year, but then it just became a tradition at the school. And Mason Marathon was amazing with us, giving us like very low entry fees and we could find the funny for it. Yeah. And so every year that kind of became our tradition with that school and those kids and watching them and how many of them wanted to work up to the half marathon was just inspiring. And a bunch of them stayed with it and would come back and train with us in junior high and high school. And then it was 2013 was when we were really doing a lot of the Run Disney events. And Sean Astin was doing them at that time. And he had run LA Marathon in 2012 and was prompted, what do you run for? And he created his run third mission statement, which is I run first for myself. I run second for my family. I run third for others. And he threw it out on Twitter in 2012. And it became this big Twitter campaign of how can I run third for you? And people started tweeting out, will you run third for my grandma who's in the hospital, for my brother who was just in a car accident? Will you run third for me because I'm having surgery? And it was like he refers to it as kind of a living prayer chain. And so he would take these 
dedications with them on runs. And then people started doing the same thing. And hey, I'm going out for a run. How can I run third for you? And when Sean was doing the Run Disney events in 2013, he was on the speaker panel and he was talking about Run Third throughout it. So we went to an event in January and got to meet him and we talked with him for a while. And then we saw him again in February out at Disney World and just connected. And I was talking to him about what I was doing with the kids and he was talking about Run Third and how he wanted to make it more of a in-person thing because it had become such a great virtual community. How do we bring it in person? And I was looking for ways to grow our curriculum because really I had been focusing on that. I run first piece, the teaching, goal setting, teaching, positive self-talk, teaching, accountability, all of their things and taking care of yourself. And was looking for the next step. And this just fit perfectly. Now we bring in healthy relationships with other people and then getting involved in the community and giving back and teaching. I use it as teaching kids, but really it's teaching everybody like that. It does need to go in that order. We have to take care of ourselves before we can build any healthy relationships. And before we're able to give back fully of ourselves and be our best selves. And so the next few couple of years, we just kind of worked on that curriculum, did some stuff with my group as the test group. And it was fun watching the kids talk about Run Third and what it was doing for them and what it meant. And now all of like the parents were really getting involved. We had a few parents who would do stuff with us before, but now they were really doing the runs with us. They were a lot more involved because we had brought in that piece of making, building relationships. And really inviting the family in. And that was cool to see us all of a sudden separate from other youth sports. Because it's no longer parents drop off, pick up, and just watch. Now they're invited in to build these healthy relations, you know, build these healthy habits as a family. So 2014, we were kind of near the end of the year. We were like, it's about time. Like, we have this set. Let's try to bring everybody together. So we hosted the first, we started planning and then hosted the first 5K in April of 2015. And we ended up with, I want to say 400 or so participants come out. And Sean came out and joined us. And the kids got to essentially host a 5K since, because my group had already done, like they do the 10K in February. And so then this was their chance to, in a sense, give back to the community. And they, did their run third dedications. They invited the community in and hosted a 5k and raised $10,000 to help get the program started at other schools. So since then, we've been hosting that 5k annually, bringing in other schools. And yeah, I think so we're just starting our planning for next year, which will be our 10th anniversary. And in that time, we've supported about 100 running programs with over 4,000 students going through it. So it's been really fun to watch it. And it's so fun. The finish line is just amazing. Like It's so powerful and emotional watching these kids, especially when that's their very first event ever. And it's that pride and that I can do hard things. And then they get to turn around and cheer mom in on her first 5K. And it's just really cool. 
coincidentally, yesterday, m- my daughter is in a girls on the run club at her school that just started last year. So that was their first year and it's doubled in size. And you just described what I saw on a small scale that you have on a giant scale. And when the kids are vested in the event, they, those are memories and and experiences they'll never forget. And there's a special excitement that I don't see any other way. And I witnessed that myself yesterday and that you're creating memories for so many of these kids and they're going to stick with them forever. It's awesome. You know, I think the thing that jumped out to me the most that you mentioned, Mindy, which is, you know, really cool. And this is a big differentiation between like Girls on the Run and some of these others is the involvement of the family. I think the strengthening not only the youth, but building them up internally for themselves and boosting their self-esteem, their self-efficacy, their confidence, improving, yes, you can do hard things, but strengthening those family bonds. And I mean, looking for that activity that mom and dad can choose to get involved with and do together. I mean, I hope they know how special you are. Have you been recognized by the school community for any of this as like a teacher of the year? Or I mean, because I'm sitting here thinking she deserves a gold star, (laughs) not just for being a teacher, but I'm like, you should be teacher of the year every year. Um, (laughs) Thankfully, I have received some recognition with some of those and I've been nominated for some of even the smaller, like the news station has come out and we've had some, but yeah, I definitely don't do it for that. And I shy away from some of those camera interviews a little bit just because it's the kid. And I always say like, sometimes I feel selfish because like I, I feel like I get more out of it sometimes than the kids do. And like what it, that like fills my bucket just to watch these kids and what they do and the inspiration, yeah. the times that I don't want to go for a run and then just seeing their excitement with it. And I'm like, that's right. This is supposed to be fun. Like this is what we're made to do. We're made to move. We're made to connect. We're made to take on challenges. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Matt, like that is one of our biggest goals is just to be like, everybody can do this. And whether you have a five minute mile or a 20 minute mile you are welcome here you belong here you're supported here and it's amazing to watch the kids envelop that mentality and our faster runners go back and run in the slower runners and encourage them and all prs are celebrated whether again it's a five minute pr or a 20 minute mile pr like either way every one gets to set the goal that's right for them and be supported in that goal and has a place on the team with that goal and ability. Well, I mean, what else is pretty cool is that you model this for them. I mean, I know you've brought some of these kids out to the Boston Marathon. Like I thought that was pretty special and they participated in the 5K and you got to model what commitment is and how you can achieve these goals. I just think about the time commitment on your end. You just said Saturday mornings. It's like, (laughs) I mean, you teach all week. 40 hours a week and now here you are Saturday morning and Chris is probably like, we're doing what? We're going he where? sometimes does look at me and went, yeah, he knows when I'm like, hey, I have an idea. He's like, oh, what now? But he's been so supportive of all of this and he helps with the kids. Sounds like you're perfect for each other. He keeps coming yes. up with the endurance challenges. And but you're- he did. And then we had like one of neat story. Michael uh, just ran the Boston Marathon. He's 19. He has cerebral mm-hmm. palsy. He started with us in third grade 
and typically we start in fourth grade, but I just saw him in class just struggling because because of the cerebral palsy as the, his peers were starting to play more competitive sports he was just struggling with the like why can't i keep up kind of like he'd go into a game and then he'd get out and then it was like wait like they're not giving me a chance and it was it was just kind of hard to watch i was like hey mm-hmm. come do a running club with us this year and man he took off with it like that kid can run forever and he just made his goal like to get as many laps as he could each day to get as many miles in the season. I think third grade, he had over a hundred miles in the season, like just nonstop. And soon he was like, when I get older, I'm going to run mega marathons. And I was like, that's awesome. So then he was one who started doing the half marathons with us. (laughs) And he would talk my ear off about Rubik's cubes and the algorithms. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but he was so happy to be out there and would just run and whatever. (laughs) I was like, okay, we're going to do 12 miles. He's like, okay. And then he did high school cross country and his goal changed to wanting to run across America. And so uh, we had a charity spot for Boston this year and that was open. And I said, Hey, Michael, you want to go be, our charity runner and he jumped at the opportunity and did such an incredible job. So that's first step of this next goal for him. That's fun. And then like you said, yeah, with the parents, it's been fun watching parents who were definitely like, I'm not a runner. And then all of a sudden they're doing a half marathon with us because their kid wanted to do a half marathon. And now, yeah, we have JC who started that way. And then since then she's done marathons with me. She's done full Ironmans with like, just yeah, it it's neat to watch it have the same effect on the adults who jump in. You mentioned Michael's goal there. Is he? Is there a way we could support that, or how people could support that as well? I imagine that's quite some logistical challenges to run across America. <laughs> yes, and honestly, that we're still yeah, kind of figuring out now next step, and so we'll get a, into a couple more marathons and start doing a few ultras okay. and. Okay. see mm-hmm. how everything progresses and we definitely are going to need okay. support when the time comes with the logistics of it okay uh he had the opportunity to meet dave mcgillivray when we were in boston and through hammer i've been able to chat with dean carnassus mm-hmm. a bit oh, cool. so both of them have offered Good. support when it comes to logistics and some of that stuff so but awesome. yeah we will definitely keep Good. you guys up to date with that so cool yeah can i jump back a little bit um that you said the youngest is third grade we typically do four through six every once in a while yeah there's a student like michael it's like okay come on in now you're you're ready (laughs) yeah i don't want to get controversial but are you familiar with the crawford family and the, the they uh, as a family, hiked the Appalachian Trail, but they've also run the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon, mm-hmm. and they have a six-year-old who has been doing it for years. And yes, so back to the the parental fear. I'm, I'm sure you have parents every year that yes. face that fear. What wh- where does that fear come from in your mind? How how do you address that with them? How do you address you know? that running is healthy and, and we we're going to do it in a safe way. So I say, I'll start by saying I've never taken a kid past a half 
when the kids ask, I'll okay. tell them like for if they want to do a full let's get through high school, let's get to at least like senior year, 18, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. As not being a doctor, like I know that there is a lot of controversy on the side of how much distance is too much distance at what point. Yeah. For yeah. me, it's even more that it's more, it, it's such a mental thing. And I know what my first marathon was like, and I know how much it just, there are days it just hurts. And I, there's a lot, and I don't know with, yeah, everything they go through hormonally with all the stresses of school. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to put that on them. Mm-hmm. So, and I have had right. kids come right. back to me like, hey, we're senior year, we're turning 18. Can we still run? Like, please train it. And there were a couple of twins that, yeah, like in their senior year, I trained with them and did a marathon with them. But as far as, yeah, taking kids through like the 10K and the half, I'm very careful i I, i'll use galloway with the kids for everything the run walk and keep it to finish goals um i really try not to push the speed too much with that distance because i want them to have fun and i do make them do the run walk because i'd rather them have the like hey can we start running again can we start running again rather than the when can i stop so i really try to keep that mental frame as a positive I want to run and stretch it out that way and I found with the run walk the kids can go for a while and honestly most of the kids then I I'd have runs where the boys would be off in the park playing (laughs) tag and I just stay on the track just holding the pace and they'd come back or they'd be down in a canal and I'm like just don't get hurt like they're jumping around so they probably did more distance but i i figured as long as they were kind of having fun and keeping each other and like yeah i don't see a reason why a 10k and and i think a lot of the parents realized that pretty early on when they started to see the kids doing the 10ks and coming back and like oh if that kid can do like like this has got to be okay uh the half we it it did kind of take that special relationship with the parents and the kids and knowing that they really will, will commit. The parents will bring them to practices and will support the nutrition and like all the pieces that go with it. But I know there's fear. I can, a lot of people are told like there are two sides from doctors and I've had parents that say my kid absolutely will not do the half marathon because the doctor says no. And I will fully respect that. Um, and then we'll just work on their goals in the 10K. And then we will bring in some more speed and help them hit some different PRs. What a great lesson, though, you just shared with keeping them wanting to run. I think we could learn that ourselves in our own races, that sometimes we should just slow down to want to run again in the last leg of a triathlon. <laughs> I think sometimes you reach that point where you're like, this is awful. When's it going to be over? Well, that might be a cue to say, well, just slow down for a little bit and then wait till you want to run again. It probably will come back. I think that's an awesome little lesson there. Yeah. Mindset, mindset for mindset. sure. And then I also got pretty good at watching the kids when they needed bells. <laughs> like, when the conversation will switch quickly between like, da, 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 to like, Ugh. I'm like, hey, let's have a gel. And then it's like within a few minutes, they're back. Yeah, I think even adults sometimes, right, struggle with that. They might open up their training plan for the day and 
you know, it's long run Saturday or long run Sunday or something. And they might be thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Right. So I think it's a great perspective to teach the kids at a young age, you know, something that sometimes people that are listening to this right now might be dreading a particular workout. And it's, um, you know, make sure that you're not either pushing yourself too hard or having the wrong focus and remembering we get to do this, we're able to do this and make sure you carry that joy and you have a long run. And hopefully it's because you've been training and you're able to do that long run. And so just trying to keep that perspective as you head into it. So I I got a real important question. And I mean, as a kid, I know this was priority number one for me. What was snack when you're done? I knew Matt was going to ask I mean, that. Come on, let's I knew be honest. That was the question. <laughs> I'm all about the food. What What is the snack? I mean, you're mentioning gels, and I know these kids right. are just running for an orange slice. Well, that was I mean, one of their favorite parts of Mesa Marathon. They did an incredible spread at the end, and Neaters would come out with French toast sticks, and yeah, and creamies, and like all sorts of stuff there. Work hard, um, eat cookies. When we were doing the long training runs, I would take Recover Right for the kids afterwards just to give them a little something. And sometimes we would have like a little restaurant that we'd meet at or something for breakfast. But typically, if it after school things, I just really talk to the parents about like, as soon as they get home, like make sure they get a good dinner because right. they're going to be hungry. So you've talked about a lot of things. I mean, you got a lot of kids running. You got a lot of moving pieces here. And this can't be cheap. What do you guys do fundraising wise to make sure these kids have adequate shoes, adequate socks for the training that they're doing? Is this done through fundraising? I mean, is there a way if listeners want to get involved and make a financial donation or a material donation of shoes or socks for them to get involved to help support this? What can people do to help out Run Third and help you keep this moving and help keep these kids moving? We will absolutely take any donations that we can get for stuff. We have, we do use the 5K as a fundraiser, but, and then our charity athletes are another way that we do raise funds. We have athletes in Boston Marathon and run Disney, Disneyland Half Marathon weekend. We have some going to Hawaii 70.3 next weekend. And the charity athletes are great in helping bring in. There's always room on the team. Like that's definitely one of those teams that everyone is welcome to come be part of. We have links on our website for donations, whether it be monetary or item donations and sponsorships, things like that. For our base program that we put into the schools, It's a 10-week curriculum that includes like coach recruitment and coach training. And we have lap tracker systems with incentives for the kids. We have a curriculum workbook for them to learn the run third lessons and our end of the season 5K. And it's roughly $50 a kid, or I should say that costs us roughly $50 per kid for a season. So. That's that's basically what we try to raise is the more we raise, the more kids we can bring into the program. And beyond that, 
some coaches will do extra things. So, so at my school, like I had an ECA account set up. So ECA is an extracurricular activity fund that the state of Arizona, I don't know if any other states do things like this. So any taxpayer in Arizona can donate to an ECA fund at a school and say, I want my money to go towards this. And they can donate up to 400 or $200 individually, 400 as a couple. And that money is earmarked for it. So I had a running club fund and parents and that could or other teachers, family members would donate into that fund. And that's what we would use to pay entry fees into extra events or to pay for some extra items for the running club if we needed shoes, if we needed other things. So some of our coaches have set up funds like that. And it's nice because it's a dollar for dollar tax credit. So if I put $200 into this program, I get it back on my taxes from the state of Arizona. Okay. Win, win. Basically just saying where your tax dollars go, which that has been, that was super helpful for, for my personal running club and allowed us to do a lot more than what we could do with like the base program. Like that's how we ended up doing some extra things. So I know that our coaches who have those, greatly appreciate help with that, like I said, because it does extra. But as far as Run Third Alliance goes, we also always need volunteers and people who have special skills as we're growing, being that a handful of us, like we're all involved in other careers and do this as a passion project. So we're 100% volunteer run. Nobody, none of us get paid a dollar for what we're doing with Run Third Alliance. So the more hands in helping, especially when it comes to the skills that a lot of us don't, the marketing and the grant, right? Like some of the big things we can always use specialized skills and help and legal teams. And there's been, it's been a big learning curve. It, it was kind of fun how it grew organically. And then all of a sudden it got to this thing. And I'm like, this PE teacher has a lot of skills to learn in running a business <laughs> and the laws of nonprofits. And it's been fun. It's mm-hmm. been a really fun journey. And I love our 5k day watching everybody come together for it. Are there other regional groups? Is it only in Mesa? Like how can it be created anywhere and multiply? That's part of what we're working on. We do have a pilot program in Arkansas. One of our Former Mesa teachers moved out there and had a friend who was teaching elementary P and they kind of helped get a little program going out there. We're still working on that growth model and figuring out how to make it work and with the 5K and hosting events in different places and building a big enough team to be able to support it everywhere. And it is the big piece. And then it, it turns into that. Do we get the funding first? Do we like kind of how do you? balance the build it and they will come or or raise the money and they will come (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then hire the people to do it yeah Yeah. yes yes oh wow what what an awesome story and journey and living up the name of our podcast for sure i love it (laughs) well you've got an exciting event yourself coming up here in a couple days don't you mindy yes so heading out to hawaii next wednesday for Hawaii 70.3 or Ironman 70.3. Hawaii. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. It has been 
a year. <laughs> Are you and your husband both doing it yes, or just you? We're both doing it. This will okay. be our third year going out there. So our first year, it was 21. Kind of just getting back from COVID, it was still a little different. Thank Because of how 2021 went, getting into St. George World Championships was a lot easier than. So we did both end up qualifying there. That has not happened since. We definitely took advantage of that 2021 year for that. But then last year, I ended up breaking my arm in February. Oh, no. At science camp with our fifth graders. So my training wasn't great. I really was a short training plan once that healed. So then, and Chris had some, I think it was his Achilles that was bothering or something wasn't quite right on his run. And so he went out thinking he would try to race, but then went for a little trial run the day before. And was like, you know what? Like, it's not worth, it's not worth it. I'm calling it. So we signed up again for this year as a redemption year, but again, my training plan, I'm, I think I'm in week five of my training plan. Yeah. So I went from a blood clot to a, we thought was my gallbladder to what ended up being a need for a hysterectomy to like, so I just kind of had all of these things and finally got back into training in April. So it's almost was out for nine, 10 months. Wow. So I've had about four weeks of Solid training and now a two-week taper, and we'll see how we do. I think I'm, I'm feeling good, but... <laughs> the comeback is always greater than the setback. Always remember that, you know? Yes. And it does. It feels good being back into it. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, that's the one that's been the hardest to get back into. I was going to say, stick to your plan. Run, walk, you know? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Stick to the plan, but I, I joke when I say this, you may be pint size, but you got a gallon size heart, girl. I mean, it's one of those things you can feel it, you know, um, obviously teachers are special breeds. And I think we've all know teachers that some are just at it for the job, for the paycheck. And then there's others that truly, truly invest themselves. And you just, it permeates out of you that you genuinely care for these kids and just want to see them be better people, good humans, and just live a healthy lifestyle. You know, I don't know if you hear it enough from all the parents, but thank you. It's amazing what you're doing. Um, and you live the lifestyle yourself and you're trying to live, you know, get that lifestyle into their heads at a young age. So, uh, Hopefully, uh, you realize just how much impact you're having on all those young children. I don't think you could ever be thanked enough, ever, or paid enough, or given enough accolades for what you've done by any means. But I know for sure we'll definitely put the uh, Run Third Alliance information in our uh, show notes so that listeners, if they want to do some type of donation or uh, help out with this great cause, can do so and somehow. And we'll also put your contact information so if they want to reach out to you directly about doing something that maybe they can do it that way as well. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Jay Gilliam, you guys have anything else to add? No, it's awesome. Inspiring. Yeah. Just talk about giving back to the community. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Mindy, you're amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. I love the story that you're bringing all of this. I mean, the 4,000 students is just really mind boggling to think about the time and effort you're putting in. But the fact that we need 100,000 more Mindy's to combat the challenges our country has with obesity and other things and just get people moving. So it's just fantastic. Thank you. 
I, I know we didn't get to get into any of this, but I can't imagine some of the funny stories you have of these kids. The things that come out of their mouth. You the could write a book, I bet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just while running. I can. Oh, God. Oh, there you go. Running. There's the title. Just yeah. when running. Just when running. <laughs> so. Well, you know, done. I'll say the coolest thing is actually how much they end up opening up. Oh, yeah. I can. I found that even just with like my running buddies are my confidants. And like kids are the same way. Like once the devices are gone, once they've kind of hit a point of I'm tired and the walls start coming down and then they start talking and just having really good dialogue, getting to know the kids and what they're going through. And now that I'm up at the high school, just every mm. day seeing what mm. these kids, the challenges that they're faced with and I, they need help. Yeah. They need adults yeah. who care. They need to know they're seen and heard and. They're going to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think one other thing I didn't throw out earlier, but I okay. think I'm envious of is you're teaching them to run without a Garmin. <laughs> That's huge. No data. <laughs> Nothing. It. Just running by feel and enjoying it. What a liberating mm-hmm. thing right. to learn yeah. at a young age. Every once in a while, I'm like, hey, just cover your Garmin up to my athletes. And I'm like, count how many times you look at it, even though you know there's tape. They're just like this nonstop. So... I, I love that concept mm-hmm. too. So, and that's yeah, with our adult group, it was amazing how many adults I would see. Like, we would do a timed mile and they'd go out and they'd be like, Oh, nope, I'm going too fast. I got to slow it down. I'd be like, Just go, just run. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what do you say we wrap this up, guys? What do you think? Yeah. I had visions of grandeur of trying to keep track of all of the followers on our Instagram page that raced this past weekend, whether it was Morro Bay. Chattanooga. Gosh, where else, guys? It was a long, long list, and I'm afraid of leaving one out, but I do want to say we were watching you on on the feed and really, really thankful for you guys listening and following along with us. We are following with you, cheering you on, and really excited for those of you that that reached those finish lines and the goals that you set this weekend. So. And this coming weekend is Victoria. I know my brother-in-law is racing that and yep. Matt's got some athletes out there. And then 70.3 yeah. in Hawaii the weekend Indeed. after. And yeah, we'll get and to that one later. But yeah. Captain K is Captain running. Captain K, the old bag. He's telling yes. the line. Hawaii 70.3. Yeah. So. She uh, bib number 100. Yep. So it's exciting. Awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. All right. So thank you all for listening to the Triathlon Age Group Journey. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at Triathlon Age Group Journey, or you can email us at Triathlon Age Group Journey at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. And if you uh, feel up to it, give us a, a rating on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love to see it. And we'd love to hear from you as well. So I guess everybody have a great week till our our next one. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you.